Hey guys, what's up? It's Robert here. Be sure to check out our team room page if you're out there on Facebook. You want to be around like-minded people? Well, go to Facebook. Go to our Mentors for Military page, choose groups, and then join the team room. You'll be surrounded by like-minded people, and we put out information there that you won't find on our other social media feeds. If you're on LinkedIn, don't forget to check out our LinkedIn page, where we also share some additional information. And in both cases, we help you grow professionally and personally. If you also haven't had a chance to check out our sponsor, Skeleton Optics, I encourage you to go out there and check them out. They have all kinds of great sunglasses that are Italian handcrafted and also with Carl Zeiss polarized lenses. Use the code MENTORS, the number 4MIL, and you'll get 10% off your purchase. All right, now on to this week's show. In this episode here, we took a bit of a departure. Typically, we have on our guests who are military, active duty, or veterans, but on occasion, I like to throw a curveball. This is one of those occasions. Over in the UK, there's a television show on the BBC Channel 4 known as SAS, Who Dares Wins. For anybody who understands the special operations community, and especially understands about the SAS or SBS, that's the UK Special Forces. Well, they decided to put together a television show where the contestants aren't paid one dime, but they go through 10 days of hell, basically a condensed version of a SAS-type training. And trust me, they end up going through some pretty heavy stuff that we haven't seen over here in the U.S. for a lot of the reality TV shows. In this episode here, we end up meeting one of those contestants. As a matter of fact, he's the winner of Season 3, the most recent season. He may have walked in there to go into a reality TV show to test his limits, and instead... He walks away having found his passion and purpose in life. As you guys know, some people may spend a lifetime trying to find their passion or purpose. But his discomfort, food, sleep deprivation, and mental taxation brought him to a point of clarity. Now his passion is to help others find their passion by facing or going through their own adversity. My hope is that you'll listen to this episode and take something away from it that makes you think about a path toward your own passion or purpose in life. Sit back, relax, and get ready to enjoy another episode of Mentors for Military. This is the Mentors for Military podcast. We share common friends, and you had gone on as a contestant on a television show over there on the BBC Channel 4 known as Sass Who Dares Wins. We've had Colin McLaughlin on here, who was on season one, and we've had Jason Fox, who goes by Foxy, that's also been on here. Um, still remain uh, you know, good in contact with both of them and, and uh, friends with them. But you, you went on the show, and then you won season one, the very first season? Joint, joint winner, season three, so the recent series. Okay, season three, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, so when was it, what series are they on now, four? So they're moving into series four now, so I believe they're casting for series four now, which is due to film in September again, October-ish, I believe. Now your brother... Not not far. No, that's not far at all. So your brother came on and competed as well. He did. I kind of dragged him into it, to be honest. Oh, did you? <laughs> uh, he's, he's not, he hasn't got so much get up and go as myself. And um, he was actually in our beef of the week before, believe <laughs> it or not. <laughs> I was going to say that's between us, but everyone's going to hear that now. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I kind of dragged him into it. Um, so, yeah, but he enjoyed it nonetheless. 
a lot of people are going to be listening to this and they're going to go, okay, I, I live in the States. Um, I'm not really familiar with Sass Who Dares Wins. So just to give a little bit of a backstory, I mean, Sass Who Dares Wins was really a television show that has, I guess it's four or five instructors, four to six instructors, I guess, is somewhere around that ballpark, that are typically from the, the special forces or special operations over in the U.K., and uh, either the SBS or um, the SAS. And in both of those uh, areas, what they do is they put you through a selection. For those who are interested in going to Special Forces Assessment and everything in the, uh, the UK, they would end up going through the same type of assessment, or at least a much longer one, but a very similar type of assessment that civilians are actually applying for as a game or as part of a show, a television show. And what's most interesting about this, that we've talked about it on other podcast episodes, is that the conclusion of this, unlike many American television shows um, like Survivor or those types of things, there is no money at the conclusion of this. I mean, it's strictly just civilians that want to put themselves through hell and go through a selection-like course for a condensed version of 10 days. And at the conclusion of this... Um, you're just basically given a pat on the back, and that's about it, right? That's correct. Um, possibly walk out of a big set of balls dragging along the floor, um, but that's, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> so how was it that you, you decided to go into this? Um, I mean, was this something that you just watched it on the television show and said, okay, yeah, I, I want to try out for this same thing? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I watched the first series and the second series, absolutely loved it i'm not i'm not a big tv watcher if i'm honest um but something like that just really kind of captivated me in a way um it's it's real tv isn't it you get to see real real reactions real personalities in real life well almost real life situations um so for me it was just like a place for me to be able to test myself and i was inspired by that and that's what made me apply to be honest i gotta tell you that over here in the states we get kind of burn out on reality TV, but having watched uh, Sass Who Dares Wins on, um, you can watch it on, I think on Netflix and on YouTube and stuff like that, it's it's a little bit different uh, because there you know going in that there is no reward at the conclusion of this thing and that they're really putting you guys through the ringer in those 10 days or in the longer versions or whatever. I mean, so it's, it's one of these things where it kind of... Uh, you tend to focus a little bit more. You tend to pay attention, yeah. I guess, a little bit more. And that's, that's definitely the best part about the show is the people that put themselves forward for this show are going on for the right reasons, and you meet like-minded people that way. And everyone's got a different backstory. Everyone's got a different background. And obviously the people who produce the show choose those people on purpose. Um, but you definitely make, uh, not necessarily friends, but you definitely gel a lot quicker than you would if you were on the show for different reasons, for example. Do they have you go for a period of time where you're basically getting to to know the other contestants and people that are going to compete? Or is it you just start day one, you get to know one another, and all of a sudden you're right in the throes of things? Well, day one, we wasn't actually even allowed to talk. So when we met at the airport, um, they didn't actually allow us to talk. We literally just sat in Nero's, twiddling our fingers just like this, sitting next to people that you don't know, but you know you're about to spend the next three, four, five, ten days with them. Like you're itching to talk to them and find out a little bit more, but every time you go to talk, you get a set of eyes in the back of your head and it's like, stop talking. Because yeah. um, and, and, what it was, they didn't want us to 
waste our conversation until we got on camera, if that makes sense. They, they wanted it to come out naturally on camera. Yeah, no worries. I mean, I think that's the right approach or what would have been better. And maybe I need to talk to Foxy about is uh, they blindfold you right off the bat when you get off the plane, throw the black hood over your head and uh, take you in the car and the whole bit. You don't know where you're going. And then all of a sudden they lift it off and you're there. That would be cool now. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that you're getting a chance to size up your competition, even though you're not able to to talk to them, you can at least look at them and go, okay, yeah, that person, that might be a little bit of a competition. Now, this person over here, I don't think they're going to give me a run for my money. You know? Now, well, a lot of people are sitting there thinking, you must have a set of balls to apply for this show. So everyone you're looking at, you're thinking, God, I feel minor to this person, or I feel inadequate. Um, but then you get to know them and you realize their sensitivities and their personalities and you become a lot more comfortable. Now, there are women and men both going through this competition. Correct. So season four, they're introducing women, at female applications now. So yeah. that would be, inter- be interesting. Yeah, it will be interesting because your season and the prior ones has just been nothing but men. Correct. Yeah. I think what you also probably found out, and we'll talk a little bit about this, is through this whole discovery process or uh, through this that – um, size didn't really matter as far as, you know, it's a lot of mental game that goes into this. A hundred percent. I would, I would say 99.9% of this test is a mental test. It's not physical. So even myself going into it, I trained as hard as I could believe in. If I train hard, it'll be easier, but you can't train mentally. You can, but for this, you cannot train mentally. So no matter how much physical training you do, that really, really doesn't make an impact on what you actually go through. Yeah. Many of the folks that end up going through special operations selection will say the exact same thing. You know, you go into this thing as physically prepared as you can be, but the truth of the matter is the mental aspect of this is what's going to be most important. Okay, indeed, by far. What was your um, physical background, Matt, before you went on the show? Was, uh, did you have any, Was you a runner or a triathlete or... If I'm, if I'm honest, a bodybuilder. So okay. not necessarily suited for the endurance or this kind of stuff. I've always been fit. I've always trained. I used to play football. I used to play a lot of sport. And when I get back into training, I pick it up again quite easily. I'm, I am quite naturally gifted when it comes to fitness and movement and health and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the past few years has definitely been within the bodybuilding industry. So even my work is involved in that industry. So I've never really focused on endurance or fitness of, of the like. Yeah, and the endurance part of this I could see would be a real challenge because the fact that, like you said, in bodybuilding, you're not really working your muscle group for that purpose. And you don't no. do a lot of cardio because you only do enough cardio for a, a certain reason. And outside of that, it's more about diet and working out. And I hate cardio. With yeah. a passion. <laughs> <laughs> we share that. I had too many years of uh, of running, and now I have bad knees. So uh, I, I, yeah. I still hate cardio. Uh, uh, every, every morning, I used to before the show, I was chucking the bag on the back, going for a run. Absolutely hated it. Really did not want to get out of bed, but obviously the pressure of the show. Yeah, and that's what I'm quite good at. I work quite well under pressure, so I, got, I left it till last minute, to be honest. So, what were um, some of the competitors' background then? On the show? Yeah, as far as like their physical background. Um, so we we did have some endurance runners. Um, there were some CrossFitters. So they're fit guys. CrossFitters are real fit guys. In fact, the joint winner 
of the show as a crossfitter. Um, and we had some football players and stuff as well. I believe we had um, a rower. I'm pretty sure we had a rower as well. And they're, they're fit guys. Yeah. Now, were there any other, like uh, anybody there that was former military or anything like that? Or was there, it? There was, a couple, there was a couple. So I think there was a couple of guys that had spent some time in the military, um, a couple of years maybe, but no one that had spent some real time. And I think that's the premise of the show is they don't uh, choose people that have real experience in the military because they, they literally want civilians um, to take part in the process. I didn't think they were allowed if if you had military service. Yeah, exactly. So, but there was there, there were a couple of gents. Were they territorial army or reserve type forces as opposed to regular? Perhaps were they? Yeah, I'm not too sure what they were, but I don't think they were anything of um, that would not allow them on the show. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. So as I understand it, though, near the conclusion of this whole training, one of the things that you had to do is some kind of physical challenge by which your brother selected you. Or was it that you selected your brother? This is the second challenge. As soon as we got onto base camp, um, this is after our first beasting. As soon as, soon as we got uh, landed off the helicopter, which was pretty cool, um, we got us to base camp, and then we got um, ushered around to the back of base camp. And we was like, what's, what's going on here? Um, and then as we approached around the corner, there was this chalked out ring, which is obviously the, the boxing ring. And then, obviously, we've seen it on previous series, so everyone realised they saw the boxing gloves, they saw the mouth guards in the bucket, and everyone realised what it was going to be. And this this activity didn't actually take place till three or four days in on the previous series, so we wasn't ready mentally for this at all. It was like a real shock. Um, and Ant went, so put your hand up if you want to go first. So my brother literally threw his hand up, first person to put it up, asked him to come out and stand in front of everyone, and, he was, and Ant went... So have a look around, choose a number. And who's he going to pick? He picks me, picks his brother. So obviously we had to then spar and box each other um, for a couple of rounds. Well, now wait, wait. Now was this one of these things where you were going, dude, why me? Out of everybody here, <laughs> did he have some beef with you or something, man? He always has. He's always got beef with me for some reason. I'm not sure why. <laughs> because um, we're identical twins aren't we so I guess a sense, there's always a sense of competition there but he would be the last person I pick if I'm honest but I could tell he, he looked up and down the line three times one straight at my eyes two second eye lock and then by the third time I knew he was going to pick me and he was like number 10 did you and ever ask him why like afterwards did you go why why no, I, I knew I kind of knew why same height same weight yeah. Obviously, what you, what you don't want to do in that situation is choose someone smaller because you might people might believe that you're doing that to have an easy challenge. And at the same time, you don't necessarily want to pick someone bigger or taller because you're you're asking for trouble. Um, so he he chose some someone at the same height, same weight, and obviously that's going to be me. So I guess there's a little bit of you you know the person as well with yeah. everybody else you don't know that individual and whilst they could be bigger, smaller, they, they might've never put a pair of gloves on in their life. Alternatively, yeah. they might've been a, prof, you know, a, a semi-professional boxer for four years and yeah. they might be six inches smaller than you, but you know, they, they, yeah. they, they know the way around the ring and things. So, but with you, he knows what he knows getting on the other end of the gloves really. And it's, it's, there's a bit of comfort there in that, I guess. So. Yeah, exactly. Well, initially I thought, all right, it's my brother. We won't actually hurt each other. 
And then literally first second he caught me with a massive right hand. I was like, that's it, he's he's getting it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the whole idea I think for him probably was to break your nose or do something to your face where he didn't look like you any longer, I guess, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> what was your occupation prior to going in? Was I mean, were you at uh working in the bodybuilding field at that time frame or what was it that you were doing at the time? Um, so I guess you could say I had and still I've got my fingers in a few pies really. So obviously you bumped into Ian, um, my business partner. Um, so we run a bodybuilding organization called Two Bro Pro Events. And we've also now got a couple of gyms, one in Hertfordshire and a CrossFit gym in Crayford. Um, and we was also in things like supplement distribution and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. we've, we've got a couple of fingers in, in pies, but it's all in the fitness industry and fitness related. Yeah. Well, of course, you know that the other side of the two bro is my buddy next door neighbor, Bob Ciccarello. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I want to focus in on you coming out of this whole show and, and the experience and everything else. Because again, if you go in and you look up some of the things that you guys do throughout the training, uh, they really do put you through a very physical and mental kind of uh, training environment that's about as close to being real as you can get during the time frame that you're there. But a lot of that has to do with confronting your own fears and, and realizing that, again, it's the mental aspect to everything. And how I'm curious to know how you applied that and the ability to understand resilience and how that plays into it once you came out. Sure. Well, the first thing that pops in my t in my head when you talk about the challenges and fear and I have a real fear of heights and during season three pretty much every challenge involved heights so st straight away before any challenge even occurred I was sort of beside myself and and there was plenty of times I could have handed my armband in let's put it that way mm -hmm. um, and each challenge got higher and higher and higher as well um, but for me the bonus of having my brother there and seeing him doing most of the challenges first kind of helped me realise well if he can do it I can do it then when he obviously disappeared I applied it to someone who I got along with well if he can do it I can do it and that's that's something that I live by in in this world. If someone if someone's done something, why can't you do it? Um, and it's that's what helped me control the fear. You'll never get over that fear, and I'm still scared of heights now. But you control it however needs must, and and that's how I controlled it at that time. A lot of people end up, you know, having some kind of fear, and I think when they go through military training, they end up finding um, those fears out either through the the basic components of it or when they end up entering some kind of different advanced training. And along with that, you begin to realize real quickly that the best thing to do is to take it head on. And it sounds like that's something that you did as well. Definitely. And I've, 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 I've always applied that. Throw yourself in the deep end and you learn a hell of a lot quicker, or at least you're forced to learn a hell of a lot quicker. Um, whether, whether you learn a positive lesson from it or a negative lesson from it, at least you're still taking a lesson from it um, by choice or by not. What was the biggest thing that you took away then from this whole experience? For me, definitely more content with my ability and confidence. You know, I've not, I've not always been a confident person. You know, presentations at school or something like that scared the absolute crap out of me. 
Um, but for me, it definitely offered me a lot more content within myself and what I'm capable of. Was that your aim, Matt, before you went on the show to to build confidence or did you hope to achieve something else? What was I, I, I wanted to see where my limits might be. So for me, obviously, bodybuilding, fitness, sport, it's always been a physical challenge. Whereas I don't, I don't really believe I've ever been challenged mentally. Mm. Um, and for me, that's what this was about. I wanted to see where who who I was. You know, I, I, I didn't know who I was when it came to struggling mentally. I don't, I don't feel like I've ever struggled mentally. And a lot of people say that they do struggle mental, mentally and getting up early doors or long days at work. But in my eyes, that's not that's not really struggle. So for me, it was just a way of connecting with something that really made me struggle mentally. Did do you find now after being on on the show, Matt, and and going through the full ten days and coming out as joint winner, that your mental strength now you've you really improved your capacity for um, taking on mental stress? Um, I, w- I wouldn't say I improved my capacity, but I definitely res- respect a mental challenge a lot more as in you can take a lot more from it and you should not be scared of it if that makes sense a lot of people will shy away from things but for me obviously this this was just 10 days so it's also opened my eyes as to what the real guys go through over six months or when they're out deployed you know it definitely makes me respect that a lot more and I always use that in life and say well, these guys are going through this, so your life's easy in a way. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I would say I, I respect it a lot more. Not necessarily it's improved my capacity, but it's definitely made me more open to the idea of taking those kind of challenges head on. So you said that uh, you had a different appreciation now for a lot of the folks that served within the military. Did this uh, make you even have an itch to join the military, or was that something of interest to you prior to, to you going into there's, the show? Yeah, there's there's always been an itch there. My, bro- my brother's applied for the Marines before, um, and he couldn't progress because he had, I think he had a broken bone in his hand or he had something wrong with his iris as well, um, so he couldn't actually progress. Um, I've just never taken the leap and actually gone through the process, but the itch has always been there. Still time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Scott working it. Through the show and stuff, do they get a lot into the teamwork aspect of this, which in a lot of American special operations, you know, you may find um, that's part of it as well, is uh, getting along with others. And, and in some cases, even like in um, some of our schools, it's all about, how well you do get across with others because they end up rating you and doing peer reviews. Definitely. They, they tried to instill that from the start. Um, like, and they tried to make us jail as a unit, they called it. And you soon realize as you progress through the week, I know it's only 10 days, but being away from home, being away from friends and family, being with people you don't necessarily know, and also being in the unknown constantly, you know, you, you do feel like you're, a weaker person in the way. So you soon realize that being there with these other people in the same boat, that you do become stronger as a unit and you're able to, if it wasn't for some of the other gents being there, I probably wouldn't have got as far. You know, we, we were definitely helping each other throughout the process. That's for sure. Right. Where was it that you ended up going through your training? Cause don't they pick different locations each time as well? Yeah. yeah. So the first series was Bretton Beacons. Uh, second series was in the jungle 
and ours was in Morocco, which was Western Sahara. Okay. What time of the year was it? Uh, it was late September, early October. Okay. So we got we got an hour at lunchtime where we basically just got to clean up, sort our feet out because of the heat. Because it was that hot during like 12 to 1 or 1 to 2, they gave us the hour at base camp just to chill underneath the tent, sort our feet out, sort everything out. And then the rest of the time, we were pretty much doing something. So, I mean, how much was the training per day? How often did you guys really go through this? Or did they give you uh, breaks for sleeping? Or, or how did that end up going? It was quite sporadic. And obviously, I think they did it on purpose. Um, the first the first four or five days, we were being beasted through the night, uh, woken up at all sorts of hours. And as I say, we got a, an hour's break here and there. Some nights, we got a few hours sleep. Um, but that's that's those first couple of days where they tried to break a lot of people physically. And you pretty much lose half of the men, that half of the 25 men that are there during those first four, four or five days. We actually lost a couple of people in the first couple of hours. Um, so a couple of lads actually gave their armband in the first couple of hours. Um, and then as you progress through the week, it, they start to hone in on the on the mental games a bit more. So they're giving you more sporadic sleep. They get you out on um, observation at certain times throughout the night so you're not getting any sleep. Um, and then uh, just some other, um, some of the key feature kind of mental challenges that they take you on, like the backwards fall and, and the abseiling and stuff like that. And that sort of indisperses in between some of the physical stuff. And at the same time, they're also lowering your food as the week goes on. So at the start of the week, they really fed us up. And I was thinking, sweet, we're getting three meals a day, full breakfast, lunch, dinner, literally like spread. Everyone was literally racing to breakfast, <laughs> lunch and dinner. And then, and then towards the end of the week, we was getting dried nuts and fruit, and missing, bre- missing breakfast, sometimes not getting dinner. Um, I actually lost a stone that week. Yeah. So what's a stone for Americans? Uh, 14 pounds. Okay, good. So, I mean, in, 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 that's, in that sense, I mean, they're, they're basically doing a full-on uh, sleep and food deprivation just to try to see how mentally, how, how well you're going to be able to function. Exactly. So they, they, they pick that up as the week, week goes on. Yeah. And then obviously, obviously they time it so towards the end of the week you're in a position where you get captured we hadn't eaten for 24 hours um i actually pissed myself during uh, the interrogation phase um didn't didn't need a number two because we hadn't eaten for 24 hours before um but they get you into that position obviously purpose purposefully so at the conclusion of this thing when it was all over you said that you had a person that also shared the the win at the end of this as well that's right. Yeah, Johnny Davis, his name was. So, how did that? Why was shared. it they selected two instead of one this time? Well, it, it progressed through. So, people were giving their armbands in as we got towards the end. Obviously, some of the people were getting sh- were the stronger ones physically and mentally. Um, so, some people actually refused to give their armbands in, um, and they were taking a couple of armbands based on actions, decisions, because, as I say, they were treating us like a unit. And at one point, we got to uh, finish one part of the ultimate sickener, and one guy was quite far behind everyone else. And essentially, that's holding your team down, or so they, they phrased it as, they, as keeping your team back. 
Um, and he just kept going. He wouldn't give his armband in, and he was talking about teamwork and team effort and, and keeping your team alive. Um, and it got to the point where he actually took his armband because in the real-life world, you could have got your team killed being held back like that. Um, so it came down to situations like that towards the end. And as we progressed through, it just got down to the point where the last challenge, um, there's two of us. Um, and the last challenge was literally we just had to hang test on this rope over this canyon. And we both fell at the same time. So they came to the decision that we both deserve to pass the course. Uh, over a canyon. So describe this now. You're on a rope over a canyon. Yeah. So there's, we at the start of the week, we did what's called the rope traverse. You probably, you probably know. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to crawl along the rope. And they used the same canyon, which they said is about 80 foot, two ropes across this canyon. We had to traverse across and then we had to reach to grab the other rope and literally just hang down. And we had to hang on for as long as we could. Um, and the idea was the person who fell first, oh, sorry, the person who hang on, held on the longest would pass the course. So that's what we were made to believe. Um, and we ended up falling at the same time. Now that you've taken away this, this course and you've, you know, you've un- kind of discovered a little bit more about yourself and um, through this and facing your fears and resilience, what's next? I'm just using the platform really um, and the confidence now to start creating my own kind of business platforms. Um, so I've got this thing called Operation Sickener going on. So it's, it's based on the show. And you see a lot of Tough Mudder and stuff like that, that obstacle courses going on. So what I'm trying to implement is like a, a mental and physical challenge, obstacle course adventure, I'm calling it. Um, so I'm just trying to implement that at the minute. I've actually got a launch event in two weeks' time. So including things like the backwards fall, uh, rope traverse challenge, the hang test, um, a sickness sequence as well. Um, And I guess really it's just implementing more drive and and more passion into what I do and believing that I can push it as far as I want to push it. Yeah, no, it sounds like it's really helped you become more of an entrepreneur and think of ways to, uh, to advance and like you said, find more of your purpose and passion because it also sounds like you found out who you are through this process. Definitely, definitely. I'm definitely more in tune with myself. I've, I believe I've always had self-awareness, and this, this has just taken it to another level for me. Yeah, and there are organizations here in the States where individuals can go through and get some kind of you know assessment training or, or those types of things that I've seen held by former special operations military people. And so it's, uh, I've always been curious as to what the individuals take away from that. What, what is it that they actually went in thinking and then when they came out, how did that change them? And I think for you, it sounds like it's made quite a difference. Definitely. Yeah. And and that's what I want to try and get across, especially certainly with this business venture. I want to try and get that across. It certainly made me realize that facing the things that I'm scared of most you will come out the other end. You know, why wouldn't you? People believe that they can't do things or they're not going to come out the other end. But in actuality, it's not really that bad. You, as I say, you don't actually ever get over your fears, but you learn how to control them. And with this business venture, that's what I want to try and get across. I want, I want people to try stuff that they wouldn't normally try or believe that they can try. And they will come out the other end and realize, well, actually, that wasn't that bad. And hopefully they take that away into whatever they do in life.
Yeah, you know, there's a lot of competitions, like you said, Tough Mudder, Spartan, and stuff like that, that takes part of the physical aspect of it. But once you combine the mental and the physical, that takes it to a different level because not everybody's doing that uh, that portion of it. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I could definitely see where that could help out and have people get in touch with themselves a whole lot more because if they're just doing the physical portion of it, then they may not be testing themselves to the full capability and really finding out what their deep passion is and purpose is. Yeah, and I, I hope and I feel it really immerse people in the experience as well. That's what I want to try and really instill is the actual experience of it, not just turn up, put your body through it, go home. I want them to turn up, put their body through it, put their mind through it, and actually take something away from it. Where can people find out more about that, Matt? I've just Googled it as we're, uh, we're talking there, and I can't uh, see So we've got, got Facebook. Um, at the minute, it's called SAS Who Dares Raises, because what I was doing uh, recently was running some charity boot camps um, based on SAS Who Dares Wins. So in various areas, we were actually I actually planned operation so it wasn't just a boot camp it was actually an operation where they would progress to certain areas as teams and take on certain mental challenges and physical challenge as a team and they could only progress onto the next stage if they completed that initial challenge or mental challenge so i was running that's why it's called that at the minute i'm going to change the name um so those charity boot camps we did essex hertfordshire um and we also did south and also mid country as well and we managed to raise just under £2,000 for Nikki's Wishes. And that was also just a way of sort of building up um, interest and audience, um, getting some contact information and building the platform for this ultimate uh, challenge. And so you can find it on social media's Operation Sickener. Um, we've also got Instagram, the Sickener Ops. Um, I've not got a website quite yet. We've got a landing page. Um and my email as well, if anyone would like to find out anything more, is directingstaff at operationsickener.com. You can go on Instagram and look under the Sickner, S-I-C-K-E-N-E-R underscore O-P-S. Now, are you looking to bring the Sickner Ops um, to the U.S.? I mean, is that one of the things that you'd like to do in the future? Eventually, that's what I would like to do, yes. Yeah, so one of the cool things about this, like you mentioned, is it helps in the, uh, you end up supporting charities through this. That's one of the main functions of the whole thing is that you're not only being able to find out mentally and physically about yourself, but you're supporting charities or nonprofits uh, that exactly. end up, yeah, are the, most of these to support veteran communities or what are the types of charities that you're currently supporting? Well, eventually what I'd like to include, because in this launch event is like a small, is a smaller scale. When I do the actual event in February next year, um, there's going to be um, areas that will involve a bit of paintballing, um, involve a bit of, not arms, but arms in a way that would take a little bit of experience to use. So what I would like to start to include would be veterans or um, military persons that might have experienced uh, PTSD or something like that because it brings those people together it kind of brings them back into that community um, and also supporting uh, charities like Nikki's Wishes. Um, Nikki's Wishes is actually run by a guy who joined me on the show, Daniel Cross. And it's all about bereavement in families. So he had an unfortunate event where he lost his wife and this is how this charity came about. And so I really wanted to support that. I really got along well with him on the show. 
Um, and that's why we're involved in that with what we're doing at the minute. But there's certainly more scope for more military-based stuff, as I say, with, with guys that might have experienced PTSD or unfortunate events whilst serving um, to kind of bring them back into that community and give them a sense of um, brotherhood again and that kind of stuff. Yeah, because part of this is you're forming teams to compete. Exactly. And that's, that's what I'm trying to get across is everything we do, we can do together and we're definitely stronger doing it together. Yeah. So when you talk about uh, going the Signer Ops and signing up, I, it could be a, a team Mentors for Mill that ends up signing up as an example, Mentors for Military. And so we end up getting a crew of individuals and um, our team to compete in this or how does that all that work? Yeah. So you you guys could um, say you used to enter a team. You, you could do it for your own charity if you wanted. If you, if you had your own associate charity you wanted to do it for, obviously you're more than welcome to do that. Um, we will also be donating certain monies to Nikki's Wishes as well. So at this launch event, we've got the Backwards Fall um, obstacle, which is going to be one of our sick obstacles at the main event. And that's going to be a six or 10 meter backward fall um, onto an airbag, giving a little secret away there, but onto a stunt airbag. And onto a bed of nails. you don't want to give the secret away or anything man <laughs> so we've, we've got that as a separate component and there's a small fee but part of that fee will go to nikki's wishes yeah how many day event is this i mean so are we talking several days of which you can then throw in the sleep and food deprivation as part of it yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's two days. I was actually thinking of going through the night. So the guys that actually registered for SICOPS, the, the launch event, um, I was actually thinking of planning it through the night. Um, but Yeah, but what you have to do is tell them not – you can't let them know when it starts or when it yeah. ends. You yeah. just blow the horn or whatever, and that's when it starts. <laughs> and so – psychologically you may be thinking you're going to get more sleep or something of that nature i think it's great i i applaud you for finding ways to not only you know discover yourself and then apply that to what you're doing now with the sickner ops uh, but i think you're in a way trying to give back and in that sense you're trying to help other people to discover themselves as well that's really cool that's 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 what i've always been involved in and that's what i'm passionate about even right down to personal training you know that's that's helping people um, make better lifestyle choices and in turn have a better influence on how they go about their life. And I guess that bleeds over into what I'm trying to do now, definitely. You said you're also on Facebook? Yeah, Facebook. So the name's currently SAS Who Dares Raises. I've just applied to change the name. Um, and also you've got my personal Instagram as well. So it's M underscore J underscore Salis. Um, and you got Twitter and Facebook as well. We're pretty much the same, just Matt underscore Salis. So. Yeah. Appreciate you coming on the show, Matt, and uh, wish you nothing but success with this whole thing. And I'd love to see it come out to the States, that's for sure. Definitely. I'll keep you posted, and I appreciate you guys having me on air very much. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and at Facebook by searching at Mentors, the number four M-I-L, and please subscribe to our podcast. It's free, and it ensures you're the first to hear our latest podcast show. We have several options depending upon your device, and we're at iTunes, SoundCloud, at Stitcher, and at TuneIn Radio.